0: doesn't really say it that way. Um, but anyway, um, but, but we'll get into that a little more here in a little bit about male leadership in the home. And, and that, that certainly is a biblical idea. It's just about how that, how that leadership works. But anyway, let me tell you something, what I know about you and what I know about me. What I know about you and what I know about me is that you're going to come to decisions in your life that you don't really consider all sides of an issue. Yeah you know this about this yourself, you know that in some regard, you're going to come to some decision that you're, you, you have some bent toward, right? You have some sort of anger about something, and so you make a decision that maybe you regret later, yeah? Or maybe you were ignorant about something, and so you made a decision that you regret later because you didn't know fully all the details of what you're getting yourself into. True? Yeah, it's true of you, it's true of me. And of course, the Bible has a lot to say about our bent and our our natural selves and our human natures. Paul says that that nature needs to be renewed. Our human mind needs to be renewed because it's broken. But anyway, fallen. You will want to spend money that you do not have at some point in your life. True. Have you found this true of yourself? Yes. You will want to save money when you have money to spend. True. You will be gracious toward your children when they need discipline. True. True. You will be harsh when they're children when they needed grace. True? Yeah. Every side of every issue, you've made the wrong decision about at some point in your life, or you're going to, right? Uh, at some point in your life, you're going to make the wrong decisions about things, and that's just how you are, how we are as people, because we're so very fallible. Well, here's the deal about marriage and the beauty of marriage is this, is that you need someone to balance you out. You need someone to step in and to balance you out. Um, you know, they say that opposites attract, and there's a reason for that. You're not complete in yourself. You need someone alongside you that helps complete you, helps balance you out. All the things that you're wrong about someone to be able to step in and say, but have you considered this? Have you considered this other thing? Um, we've, I've got some Blake's on there, but, um, but let me tell you this about marriage. Marriage in, is, is like dance in, in this way. If you lean out when you're dancing, your partner's going to lean out. If you draw your, your partner closer toward you, they're going to dance closer toward you. If you put a little distance between you, your partner's going to put a little distance between you. Uh, all right, um, this is obviously a metaphor for what I'm saying here. If you push yourself away from your spouse, your spouse is going to push away also. True? Now, l- let me tell you what I'm talking about here. Um, if you overspend your money, your partner will try to compensate by what? Saving. We had some good friends of ours here for, um, uh, several years ago who um, the wife was just naturally the spender of the family and the husband was naturally, well, he wasn't that good at saving. But anyway, he tried to save and he would hide money all throughout the house so that anyway, if all the money in the bank account was gone, he could go to the cookie jar and pull out, you know, a, a 20 or 50 or something. He just naturally saved because he's always trying to compensate for his wife over spending. If you hoard money, your partner, your, your husband or wife will tend to what? tend to want to spend. If you are too harsh with your children, your your husband or wife will tend to be overly gracious. They're always trying to compensate for you. If you baby your children, your your husband or wife will try to be overly tough or harsh with your children. Is this true? Have you seen this at work in your life? Let me tell you what's happened with Brenda and I. It's kind of funny. Um, Brenda and I, when we were first married, she was very free in spending money, and I was very tight and the, the, the tighter I was, the freer she was in spending, and the freer she was, the tighter I was with trying to hold on to money. Well, anyway, over the period, we've been married 18, it'll be 19 years here in July. How about that? I got that first time, and I didn't even hesitate. I just had it right there. That's, that's impressive. Practice. It's all about practice, gentlemen. Um, uh, but over time, what's happened is is if Brent and I come against, come up to something that we'd, both, that we'd like to get, I, always, I, I tend to say these days, I say, well, let's get it, and we'll figure it out later. You know, we'll figure it out later. That's not good financial advice, by the way. But what I'm telling you is that we've kind of swapped sides. And Brenda is much more cautious financially than she used to be. I've become much less cautious financially than I used to be. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that there's always, you're always balancing each other. If your partner steps a step, take a step back to an extreme, you're taking a step back to the other extreme because you're always trying to balance each other out. Let me tell you a couple things. First is, that's a good thing about marriage. You need someone to balance you out when you're out on some extreme. When you're laying heavy into your kids and you're not showing grace to them and mercy when they need it at a given time, you need someone to step alongside you and say, Oh, honey, come on, you, know, you, need to, you, know, you need to lighten up a little bit. You can't be overly harsh with the children. You also, however, need someone to step in when, you know, when, your, when your child you know, uh, uh, does something horrendous or says something to a teacher or something, something they've been disrespectful, and you say, well, you're not going to get your second dessert tonight for that. Well, you know, come on. You, you need someone to step in and say, no, no, that ain't going to cut it. No, no there's going to be you know, <clears throat> hurt feelings over this deal. But anyway, you get what I mean. It's a good thing about marriage, and here's the deal, is that you need someone to balance you out. You need someone else to come alongside. You need to, you need to be asking your husband or wife's opinion about things because they come at things at a totally different view than you. Have you seen this in your marriage? Many of you noticed that your wives come at things at a little different perspective than you? And, yeah, I know we all think, yeah, I know. She's wrong all the time, and I'm right all the time, right? No, not, not the case. Um, I want to encourage you... Um, Oh, you know what? I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let me back up. Um, this, is a, this is a great proverb. Uh, just as I was looking uh, this week, I stumbled across this. Um, if you and your, your husband and wife are always trying to compensate for each other, who's right? Who's right in any given argument? Well, usually if, if one's taking the extreme, the other's taking the other extreme, and you're usually both wrong, right? Correct? Um, but, but anyway, it, uh, this is interesting. Um, if you're always fighting with your f- spouse, if you always have disagreements, if you always have strife, listen to what Proverbs 13.10 says. He says, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. You hear what he says? He links, he says, strife is linked to people who have pride and listen, and they won't listen to other people. Why? Because they already know. They know better. They know better than their wife or they know hu- better than their husband and they won't take advice from them. This is much more general proverb than this. It's talking about other people who won't take advice or won't, won't take counsel. If you find yourself continually with strife in your marriage, it's because there's pride there and you're unwilling to listen, right? Pride and selfishness are two things that are very difficult in marriage, true? And matter of fact, God uses marriage to drive those things from you, doesn't he? You learn to be selfless over time, and it, he uses that it, certainly with marriage, and boy, does he use it with children. Ooh, children are really good at making you less selfless, selfish. But pride also, listen, if you're not listening to your spouse, it's because of pride on your part, right? And pride is something that we need to be repentant of because it's sin. Amen? Amen. And listen, so yeah, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Wisdom is found in those who take advice. Yeah, that's a beautiful... Beautiful, uh, beautiful proverb. I want to encourage you: ask for your husband or wife's opinion about things. Don't go making decisions without them, because they are your partner for the rest of your life. It would be good if you're in agreement about what you're doing. Second thing: find value in your husband or wife's opinion. Listen, I know you think you're right. Everyone thinks they're right, but find value in their opinion. Right. What I mean is, is that you come to a point where your children have done something and you think you need to be really harsh, and they'll say, eh, no, I think, I think we need to be a little, little more gracious. Look for, look for what's right in their opinion. Look for, look for the value of what they're saying. And let me tell you what happens when you do that. If you'll do that, if we're in a financial decision, Brandon and I have had, um, we, have, we have ideas about how we'd like to spend money, and often they're different. Right? They just are because we come from different perspectives. We're different people. We come from different backgrounds. She's got a female mind. I have a male mind, right? I'm very analytical. She's very um, beautiful and smart. And uh, I don't know what that is, but whatever she is, very beautiful, very smart, very feminine. But uh, I'm very analytical. I'm much more cynical and that kind of thing just because of that natural bent that I have. But anyway, um, and she is not those things, which is good. But. Hey, where's I going with all that? Oh, yes, I know. Um, here's the deal. Brent and I could spend a lot of time arguing over money. Let me, let me tell you some examples. I would like, I, we need to replace our back fence at our house. I don't know, you know if you've been over, but our back fence is old. It's four feet tall. We've replaced the other two. We need to save money to replace the back. Well, we also need a new dishwasher because the one that we have not, right now leaks a little bit. It's rusting out. It doesn't really wash dishes. Um, it just kind of takes up space in the kitchen. Um, we also have, uh, we need to do other things. You know, we, we need to be saving for a car for our children. Well, all of those things, Brent and I could, you know, agree to do, you know, we, I think we should do this. Well, I think we should do this. You know what we can agree on? We need to start saving money, <laughs> right? Because we got a lot of things to do. Right? So listen, if you'll listen to your, your husband, your wife's opinion, you'll find, and if you will look, you will find common ground. You will find things that you agree about. There will be things that you disagree about, but if you'll find the thing that you can disagree about, I mean, that you can agree about and have unity toward, you can start building and working towards something in a common goal. I'm telling you, that is the way you come to unity in a very practical sense. It doesn't matter if Wren and I argue over money and we never save it. It just doesn't matter, Right? We can argue all we want. We didn't get anything done. But when we come to unity in a decision, we've got to put some money back because there are some things that we both like to do. And you work through and you prioritize those things and say, okay, the goal here is we've got to save money. We can agree to that. And once we do that, then we can start achieving the other goals that we have. But it's just like that. It's that way with raising your children. You've got to listen. You've got to ask for your spouse's input. You've got to assume that you're not the one who knows best all the time. And really, listen, really, truly, in your bent and fallen mind, you need someone to balance you out. And that's why God gave us husbands and wives. Amen? Okay. Here's the other great thing is, you know, I was just, I was just telling you that if you'll lean out, your partner will lean out. Well, here's the great thing. If you lean in, your partner will lean in. Let me tell you what I'm, what I'm talking about there. If you, man, if you find yourself that you're always harsh towards the children and your wife you think is always babying them, if you'll take a step toward her and be kinder and gentler toward your children, you know what you're going to find out? She'll take a step towards you and will be a little more disciplinary and minded towards your children. Because remember, you're always trying to balance each other out. If you'll take a step to the center, if you'll find some value in what she's saying or what he's saying, and you'll find some value in what they're saying and come to agreement on those things, when you basically, you can come to the conclusion in the end that we want our children to be well-behaved. Now, how do we do it? How do we do it? Right? Well, it is through love. It is through discipline. It's through both. Right? And finding the right thing, the right thing at the right time is where you've got to work together to, to, uh, to come to find what the right thing to do at any given moment is, right? Okay. The great thing is, is, if yeah, if you will lean towards your wife, your wife will le- take a step towards you and lean towards you. Um, and you know what? At some point, you can give up trying to pull against each other, and you can come together in beauty. And the beauty of marriage is that you can come together in unity and make the decision to go the same direction. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I've told Brenda this so many times, but when she and I come to agreement on something, it, when we've been apart on an issue, and we finally come to agreement on something, I tell you, there is something, I would use the term magical, but that would be totally inappropriate, powerfully spiritual behind it that if there's something that is godly that God's called us to do and we've come to unity about, I'm telling you, I don't think there's a force on earth that can stop us. You know what I'm saying? God will make it happen if we're under his submission and we're mutually submissive to each other, agreeing to listen to each other and work together and come in unity together. And when we do that... I just don't think there's anything that can stop us because it has the power and the authority of God behind it when we're working like we should in marriage. All right? Okay. I need to get to uh, this next step. The, the other thing is balance in leadership. Marriage is like a dance in this, you know, the first one is that there's a balance to be achieved. The other thing is is that marriage is like a dance is is, is like dance in this is that it's the man is called to lead, right? In dance, someone has to lead. In life, someone has to lead, right? When You don't need a leader when there's only one person, but if you get two people together, there has to be a leader. It, it's just that way. We're just in human nature. That's just the way we're built. There has to be a leader, and we're called to be that man in, in our families and in, in our churches. Um, but I want to ask you this morning, what does leading mean? What does it mean for us to lead? Does it mean we're the ones that, we, that make all the decisions? Does it mean that we're the ones that uh, control all the money? Does it mean that we're the ones who decide how children are disciplined? Does it mean that everyone in the house does my will? <clears throat> yes, no, not really. Um, let me tell you in the scriptures, here's your next set of blanks. Biblical leadership in the scriptures is always demonstrated as serving and shepherding. Jeremy, in the scriptures, leadership is always demonstrated or shown as serving or shepherding and shepherding. The first thing to talk about here is Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Biblical leadership is serving. Biblical leadership puts other people's needs first. Listen to Matthew chapter 28, verses 25 through 28. This is, here's what happened. Some of the, some of the apostles came to Jesus. Well, actually, I'm sorry. One of the apostles' moms came to Jesus and said, Would you allow one of my sons to sit at your left hand and the other one at the right? The other apostles came back and said, I'm, let me paraphrase really badly here because it's kind of funny. And they said, "What? You sent your mama to do your work and to ask Jesus for a, a place at the right and your, your right and your right and left hand, left hand." And uh, they were kind of upset with each other. And Jesus took the moment as a little teaching moment for the apostles to tell them about leadership. All right, and here's what he said. Jesus called them together. Here they were kind of fighting about this whole ordeal. Jesus called them together and said, "You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them." And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what did he say there? He's making a comparison and contrast. He's saying the rulers of the Gentiles do what? They lord it over them. What is it? Their authority, right? They, their rule. They lord it over them, and, he's, and also, and they exercise their authority over them. Okay, what he's saying is, in the Gentile world, the pagans, the rulers, they like to be the boss. The boss likes to be the boss. They like to make the call. They like to enjoy their power and their authority over people, and he says, and they exercise their authority over people, and they uh, lord it over them, and he says, but not so with you. In other words, don't you be like them. Instead, he said, you are to be a what? A servant or a slave. He says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, if you want to be great, you be a servant and a slave. What what does it mean to be a servant or a slave? It means basically this, is that I'm putting other people before me. I'm putting their will, I'm putting their, the, the good that, is, that, that, that it needs to be done for them, I'm putting that ahead of myself, and I'm serving them. He says, if you want to be a leader in my kingdom, you're going to be a servant leader. All right? And he says, and look no farther than myself, he says, um, and we'll get to this kind of at the end of the sermon, but he says, just as, as the Son of Man, that's Jesus' favorite phrase for himself, I did not come to be served. Even though, and think about this, the Lord Jesus Christ could have come and been served. He could have demanded our service. He could have demanded our worship, but instead he came like a servant, born into poverty and served and taught and healed and fed mankind, those around him and taught and taught him. And not only that, but he also gave his, his life up as a ransom for us, yeah, to buy us back. All right. Um, so, yeah, we talked about biblical leadership is like service, Is like serving. Biblical leadership is also like shepherding. It's shepherding. Um, We read the 23rd Psalm, and um, if you have your Bibles there, Jason's going to put it on the. Oh, I may not have had that one. Did I have that one? I didn't have that one. I'm sorry. 23rd Psalm, but you know it so well uh, that that'll work. Uh, 23rd Psalm. Listen to what. um, There's three places, and I put that on your handout there. There are three places that are really good descriptions about what a shepherd does. Men, this is what a shepherd does. This is your role model for leading your family, for loving your wife and your children. This is your, uh, for for even serving in the church and leading in the church, for, for your place of business, this is the kind of leadership that, that the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to. It is a serving leadership. Listen to the, Psalm, the 23rd Psalm again, and you tell me there in those blanks there, what is it that a shepherd does? <clears throat> Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Verse 2, He guides to rest and refreshment. Right? Leads me beside quiet waters. In verse 3, He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Uh, the third verse there in the blank. He leads to safety and well-being. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It protects from harm. Why well, did a shepherd carry a rod and a staff? Kind of help guide the sheep, but it also was made to be an offensive weapon, right? Against uh, wolves, against uh, bears, whatever. Lions, tigers, bears. Okay. Um, for v- verse 5, um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 5, he provides for life. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 6, shows goodness and mercy to his sheep. Okay. Man, here's the deal. Um, I know a lot of times we probably don't think about it, but it is an overwhelming responsibility to shepherd and guide and lead your family, to be responsible for all that the Lord declares we're responsible for. And we didn't get into it all in in Ephesians chapter 5 about what you're supposed to be doing for your wife and all these things. But just generally speaking, it's overwhelming. You're supposed to protect them. You're supposed to defend them. You're supposed to provide for them as a shepherd. You're supposed to guide them. You're supposed to uh, uh, lead them. You're supposed to bring them rest, refreshment, safety, well-being. You're supposed to show them goodness and mercy. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I come up short. Let me tell you, there are things that happen in my life, especially with children, it seems like, but especially with my children where I don't have the wisdom that I need to make the right decisions about my children. And this is why they've turned out the way they have. That was just a joke. No, you know, I... <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We've been blessed beyond measure to have wonderful children. I'm just kidding. You know, we've had wonderful children, obviously. But anyway, I, I, I'm sorry. Look, I'm going I'm to catch that one later, aren't I? But um, there are times in my life where I don't have enough wisdom to know what to do for my children. You know, I don't have the wisdom that I needed to do, the savings that we needed to do to be prepared for all the things we need to be prepared for, for college and cars and all that stuff. I just don't have it. There are times in my life where I've found that I haven't had the courage to do for my family what needed to be done, right? right, man, that's hard for us to admit, but I'm just, I'm being really honest with you. That's not only it, but also strength, you know, where I haven't had the strength to do what I needed to. There's time that I've been selfish when I need to be selfless. There have been times where I needed to, uh, be self-sacrificing, where I've been, been much more willing to sacrifice on behalf of my family instead of myself. But listen, it happens over and over again. My question for you is, it is an overwhelming task. How are you going to do it? How are you going to be so self-sacrificing to be a shepherd to your family when, you when you're not doing a very good job of even taking care of yourself? How are you going to find the way to be self-sacrificing when you'd rather have your way? Let me suggest to you, there's only one way. You have to know the one who is willing to shepherd and sacrifice himself in the most perfect manner ever, in the most perfect story ever told. The Lord Jesus Christ, who there, what we read there in just in Matthew chapter 20, who came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He is our example. He is our goal. He is our ideal. He is the one that we're trying to mimic. He's the one that we're trying to follow in leadership. But listen, not only all of that, he doesn't say, I did it, so you just go figure it out. He says, you come for me to me for wisdom. You come to me for, for, uh, for love for your husband or your, for your wife. You come to me for strength. You come to me for courage. And listen, when we go to God, you know what we find in him is that whenever we need this much, he has this much of a resource. Amen. He is always in overabundance for whatever we need. And there will come times in your life, whether you'd like to admit it or not, that you're not smart enough to guide your family. You're not strong enough. You don't have the courage that it takes to, to go make it through a decision. And I'm telling you this morning, I want to make very much of Jesus Christ and very little of myself. He is the answer. He is the one who can provide you with that. Very quick, quickly, let me wrap up with this. When Brenda and I, 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 I just want to, there are so many of you that did, didn't know Brendan and I nine or ten years ago, but we were going through a terrible time in our, in our uh, married life. We couldn't get along really at all. Right, and and what I want to tell you this morning is, it is only by the grace of God, not because we were so smart enough that we finally figured it out. It wasn't because we read some book that told us the magic of getting along. It was because uh, we submitted ourselves and we said we're not living in a way that's obedient to the Lord, to the Lord Jesus. It would we would if we would if we could work together, if we could live together, that would be in greater obedience. And we humbled ourselves before the Lord really. I promise you, this is how it worked. We were humbled ourselves before the Lord, and we were willing to humble ourselves and say, we've got it wrong. We need your help to fix it. And I'm telling you, one of the things that, 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 that really helped change our marriage is when time and time and time again, Brenda would ask if we could go to counseling, and I'd say, no, I'll just try harder. I'll, I'll figure this out. I'll, I'll do it. I'll love you more, and I'll try harder, and we'll do it. And you know what happened? Is that we always ended up in the same place. I couldn't try hard enough I didn't love her enough, and I couldn't love her enough. But let me tell you, things changed when I went to the Lord and I said, I don't love her enough, or my love for her is inadequate. I need you to love her through me. I need your love for Brenda in my heart because my love for her is not enough. I'm still too selfish. I'm still unwilling to sacrifice enough to love her like I'm supposed to. And I'm telling you from that time on, things began to change in our marriage. It was a slow and, and, and steady and difficult process. But we went through marital, marital counseling together. We went and we, we, we opened up our lives to some other people. We aired our dirty laundry. You know, I told on Brenda. Brenda told on me. Yeah. And boy, did she tell, not really. Um, it, yeah, well, I, I. yeah, I won't tell that today. It'll be for another time. But, but I'm telling you the, the truth this morning, men. You're going to come across times, and it is an overwhelming responsibility to, become, to be completely responsible for a family. It is. It, it, it is overwhelming. It's overwhelming the amount of work that you're supposed to do. How are you doing leading your family spiritually? How are you doing leading them financially? How are you doing teaching and training your children to be successful in this life? How are you doing uh, providing for them? Uh, man, that's, that's tough. It's tough. It's tough. And here's the deal, is that God doesn't leave it completely up to you. He says, you be a vessel and I'll fill you. I'll, I'll show you how. You follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you have to know him, and you have to be praying, you have to be asking for wisdom, for strength, for love, for mercy, for patience, for courage to lead your family. Amen. Now, we've all blown it. True. We've all blown it. If you've blown it, you need to make it right. You need to make it Right. And what I'm telling you is is that you don't need to step back and just say, I'm going to try harder. What you need to do is you need to submit before the Lord. and You need to say, I'll do it your way. I'll let you love through me. I I want you to be strength for me. I want you to be courage for me to face the things that I'm afraid to face. Yeah. That's how this happens. That's how you have the, the wherewithal to guide and protect and to lead and to serve and to love your family. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? We'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the passages of Scripture that teach us about how to lead. We thank you, Father, that you've created in, in this little unit of two people just this beautiful picture of, of how two fallen people can, can have a life together and can raise a family together, can balance each other out, can make wise decisions together, uh, can, can always have a, 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 a thought and always have advice in our lives, Lord God, and in that person that we hold closest to us. Uh, and being our husband or our wife. And so, Father, we thank you for the beauty of marriage. We thank you, Lord, that you've created it to be balanced. We thank you, Lord, that you've created it to be led by men who, would be, um, who are created to be strong in you and, and wise in you and courageous in you. And, Father, we thank you that we don't, own, we don't just have to look for our own resources. We don't have to just pull ourselves up our own bootstraps and just, and just push our way through this. But you, Lord God, are the resources through your Son, Jesus Christ. You can be the wisdom that we lack. You're the, you're the strength that we lack. You're the courage that we lack when we're afraid to face our problems, we're afraid to, to fra- face things that we don't know how to handle. Lord God, you're all of that to us, and we thank you, Father, that every time we go to you, we find that you're a resource and you're able and, and more than able to meet it in us. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, I pray for the ladies and, and gentlemen out there who are married or who will be married. Lord God, make us an example of, of what marriage is supposed to be like in, in the beauty of your scriptures just that beautiful example of marriage, interdependent, balanced, leaning on each other, led lovingly and servingly by the husband, like a shepherd. Lord, we thank you for being a servant and a shepherd to us, for showing us how we ask your blessing on us now as we we go out from here. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.